When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, we've got interviews, podcasts, and content on various subjects, including mental health, football, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, and music, plus more. All our shows available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, and all the audio is available at the usual podcasting apps. Today's show, my favorite kind of show to record, is Unscripted and Uncensored, episode number 10, where the people set the questions and the talking points. It is uh, always a lot of fun, never know quite know where it's going to go, and uh, often goes off on the tangent so it should be good fun and uh, today i'm joined by my guest who has been dominating cage warriors all over europe really recently signed with the biggest mma company in the world uh, the champion still i think still champion technically uh mr modestus i forgot to i knew i was gonna forget to ask you how to pronounce your surname before i did it i meant it's to ask good. you and then i forgot yeah, it's, it's Bukowskis. There we go. What there he you said. go. What he said. <laughs> Makes it easier. <laughs> How are you, my friend? You okay? Yeah, doing good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show and everything, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good laugh. I um, I enjoy these ones, partly because I don't have to really do anything other than just <laughs> get all the questions and put them into like a document just for me to read. But um, it is, it's always interesting. People ask some like random stuff. And then, like, we've had, I always seem to end up, like, whenever I do these shows or whenever I contact a guest, I'll ask them, like, look, you can either do this show, which is, like, unscripted, uncensored, this is what it entails, or we can just do, like, a show about your your career and this, that, and the other. (laughs) And all the MMA fighters and the boxers who I've had, they all say, no, do the unscripted, uncensored. They want to be, like, just talk about loads of random stuff because... Obviously, you do like a lot of interviews about MMA, Mm-mm-mm. so it's something a bit yeah. different there. Oh uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's interesting to you know to see what people you know really want to know about you because obviously it's it's a chance for for I guess all the people that are on here to sort of open up and and show the different side to to them because yeah, like you said, I mean a lot of interviews talking about your fights and stuff like that, but not much of a chance to delve a little bit deeper into you know what we're really all about and to show how how really wacky and, and, and crazy us fighters are. How you have to be a complete nutball to, to go on occasion and do what we do. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to... The thing is, like, if you're training every day and you're getting, like, punched and kicked, you I think you've got to be, like, a certain bit of crazy just to be... You know, just, <laughs> just to get through that every day. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think once we lose a couple of brain cells, then it's just like, oh, well... <laughs> I guess it's not going to really do much if we lose a bit more. So I guess we've got to just keep going. <laughs> yeah. So 
what I like to do, mate, before we get into like all the questions and stuff which yeah. people have sent in, and obviously you're an MMA fighter, so there's a lot of MMA related questions, but there is there is a few which are not. And uh, as I was saying to you just before we started, I found out some interesting information from one of the questions, which was uh, I didn't know about before that, which I'm a bit disappointed I didn't know. But <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, cool. But yeah, what I like to do is just uh, have you kind of t- tell us a little bit about like you, where you were, where you're from, where you grew up, siblings, mm. you know, basically just how you ended up where you are today. Right. So. Um... That's it. Get nice and comfortable because mm-hmm. we're gonna be here for a while. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, well, basically, if I, you know, I kind of cut the story a little bit short. They, like my journey through MMA has been quite mad, to be honest with you. Um, like I had a like a little break in between and stuff like that. But basically, when I was fu- so I was born in Lithuania. So this is why you know everyone looks at me and they're like, oh, he's got the British accent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, how's he not from Britain? But uh, you know, I was born in Lithuania. Actually, that's why I represent both, uh, you know, Lithuania and Great Britain. But we moved here when when I was three years old. So, uh, yeah, that's why, you know, I, I stand by born in Lithuania, but bred in Britain. So, um, you know, like I said, re- representing both nations there. Um, so, yeah, when I was about five, you know, obviously when you're a kid, you're not, you know, your 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 um, sort of motor skills and stuff like that aren't really like well developed yet or anything like that. You're sort of just more in like a playful mood. So. You know, my dad would like be, because uh, my dad was a fighter back in the day. He was a Soviet Union heavyweight, no holds barred champion. So, you know, as you can imagine, he's quite a tough motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, so he just started like showing me a little bit of stuff. Like, you know, oh, here, look, look at this kick, look at this punch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fun. And then it got mm-hmm. serious very quickly. <laughs> after, mm-hmm. I, I think it must have been after about two weeks of, oh, yeah, let's just play with this. And then it became, no, you must hit hard. <laughs> <laughs> you must kill. <laughs> so, yeah, like it was very, uh, yeah, it got full on pretty quickly. But, um, you know, obviously I'm very grateful that he did, you know, made me very disciplined. Like it made me think in a way that you know i can't miss training i need to do everything that is required that 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 was how i was brought up you know like having to put the work in to to get where you want but listen via my dad's training you know i started out reading kickboxing we uh we did he did teach me sambo as well so we already had like an mma sort of base but we mainly competed in kickboxing me and my sister um my sister was actually very good as well um she doesn't compete now but when she was a kid I mean, she would beat me up. I mean, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Obviously, when puberty happened, then obviously things started to 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 change dynamic. But uh, yeah, right at the beginning. I mean, listen, my sister used to make me cry. That's how tough she is. <laughs> she is a tough her. cookie. Yeah, yeah, seriously. You, you do not want to get a head kicked by, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so we both competed in kickboxing. Um, I won the British kickboxing title um in four different age groups um usually fighting older guys i remember the last one i won was when i was 14 and uh the guy was like close to 16 so you know i've always i'm very again grateful (coughs) that (coughs) because i've just been quite tall and i was very skinny still like obviously now you you might see all the photos obviously a load of topless photos i end up you know splashing (laughs) out on my instagram these days but you know i used to be quite a uh quite skinny like insanely skinny like girls used to call me weedy mm-hmm. like i'll say oh i'm doing shot but they're like really is, isn't that for like you know quite strong people i'm like 
are you trying to say? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, like I, I naturally sort of uh, filled out later. But, um, yeah, I was always fighting bigger guys. I was always fighting, always fighting older guys. Um, yeah. So I always had to get used to fighting bigger, stronger, uh, you know, maybe tougher opponents as well. Because I, I was a very... I had this whole mindset, which did change over time, but I had a very sportsman-like attitude. I still have it, but you need a bit more aggression now, like especially now fighting where I am. You know, the guys are trying to rip your head off. You can't just be like, "Oh yeah, let's just go in there and compete." You can't be like that. It used for me. It used to be like that, but because uh, I just wanted to be courteous and, like I said, my parents brought me up well and stuff. But um, yeah, I guess the point we need to sort of add that little bit of aggression. But anyways, so. My sister also won the English kickboxing title, I think, twice. So, you know, bit massive, uh, massive, you know, sort of combat family. We we also trained in judo. Um, a lot of people don't know, actually, I, I competed as a junior quite a lot. Again, because guys were massive and I was a lot heavier because I'm tall. Uh, I would always fight guys who are three, four years older. I was losing quite a lot of competitions at the beginning. But then, obviously, as time went on, my skill set increased and I naturally feel that. And then I thought, started fighting guys my own age. I started picking up the golds and, and stuff like that. I actually entered like an international tournament and uh, I got bronze, which for me was quite a big thing because judo wasn't my main thing, but like, you know, to compete in it and like, you know, no one expected me to get any medals or like, you know, I had quite a tough opposition. I had guys from, you know, other countries fighting me and uh, yeah, I managed to, I think, I must have won two and, 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 and lost two or something. So I got bronze. But, you know, for me, that was, that was quite a big achievement in that. So, and it was a bit annoying because on my last grading for my judo, I, um, because how they used to do it, you're allowed to attack the legs. Like, they obviously, that rule's been taken out now. But um, you had to fight for your belt. So you had to win a certain amount of matches. And I remember I literally would have got my brown belt if it wasn't for... Uh, a stupid mistake on my end. I, I went for a throw that I shouldn't have really went for. And then he ended up uh, reversing it, which was annoying because if I had won that particular match, I would have got my brown belt. So I ended up with a uh, the highest blue belt in judo, which I think would have translated to a green belt or something if I would have turned senior, but I ended up like, you know, so look, mate, I've been, I've been competing in martial arts <laughs> since I was, you know, my first kickboxing fight was when I was like, eight i think eight years wow. old and it's funny because i lost the i lost to the same guy twice and then i ended up fighting him for the british title and it was such a close fight but i was i was i was giving it to him everyone thought that he was going to win he like he almost thought he won at the end of, at the end actually the referee he didn't see the uh because we had to go in our you know designated corners so we actually ended up going to the opposite corners so when he lifted the guy's hand up i was like mother I just lost again to this guy. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I've been, I've been literally working my tail off, and I got a second shot of the British title, and I <laughs> lost against the same guy. Uh, and then the referee looked down. He's like, "Wait, wait, wait, hold on a minute. That's not right. You two swap over." And yeah. then he lifted my hand. I was like, oh, "I oh, want it!" Like, yeah, yeah. So that was the massive. Oh, he was, and you know, the kid was very tough. Don't get me wrong, but he was, he was quite upset about that. <laughs> As I can, yeah, I bet. You, know, you just, you just think you've won, and it was like a full-on brawl. Like it was. I mean, I've got the tape still to this day. I remember it was a, it was a like everyone was watching. We had like the whole crowd come in to watch this fight because um, the first time I fought him, I was just a little bit inexperienced in a in a mm. bigger stage. So, and I and the first and actually my first ever fight I fought in kickboxing. I, I remember 
it was supposed to be semi-contact at that particular age. And then obviously the next age, you're allowed to hit a little bit harder. But on that one, you're not supposed to go crazy. I remember the first two punches through. My dad obviously been teaching me just hit full power, literally jab cross, bang, knock the dude down. And I was like, <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, you need to watch your power here. Um, but yeah, I've, so many experiences of competing. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, you'd be looking out the window, you see all these kids play in there. They're, you know, they're playing football, they're hanging out with their friends. And I, meanwhile, I'm sitting inside this sitting room, like dark room, waiting for my dad to get back, like getting ready to basically get absolutely hammered for about mm -hmm. two hours with the pads. And, you know, you're literally dreading every minute. Like, I think there's a lot of training sessions where I'll cry before because I'm like, I do not want to train. Like, I do not want to do this, but my dad's making me. And the thing is, I have no choice in the matter, so I just got to do it. I'm so thankful though. If if I didn't have that, if my dad didn't instill that in me, I wouldn't be disciplined. I wouldn't be, you know, I guess mentally tough. Uh, there's a lot of experiences that I've had that made me mentally tougher over time. But that in particular, uh, just the the fact that, you know, almost getting forced. I, I believe that there's not enough of that these days. Like, and the thing is, although I was forced at the beginning, that's what then, you know, at about the age of 11, I started drifting away. I still competed though. This is... This is the funny thing. I did other sports, but I was bringing back trophies in fighting. Like this is yeah. how it was probably sort of already set in stone that I should just be doing some sort of fighting. Although I was good at other sports, I wasn't. You know, and I was trying to pursue other. Th this is the thing. I'm, I'm glad I also had a bit of time away as well. Like I think it made me realize how much I loved fighting. Although getting forced into it maybe made me uh think like well what's outside of this like is there anything that's actually better for me or i enjoy more and blah 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 so i remember i played tennis like quite seriously got private lessons all the time like it, and i got good but then it wasn't like you know it wasn't to the point where i could go and do something with it so then I ended up picking up a basketball one day and I thought, well, you know, my dad was like, do you know what, you're actually all right at this. Like, mm -hmm. let's give this a shot. And then basketball ended up being like my main sport. And I actually, over the course, like I got good quite quickly. Um, and then over the course of like a summer, I remember I w before I went, I was on the school team. I was like, you know, maybe the sort of second worst guy on the team, but I was still on the team. I still made the team out of like yeah. the guys who, but then uh, by the time it finished the summer, I ended up being like the lead, like the leading scorer. Like everyone was like, what the hell happened to you? Like, you know, I remember I'd score like 40 points every game and stuff like that. So it was, it was mad. Um, I ended up leaving that school as well and, and changing schools and stuff like that. Another thing I've got to be grateful for is a lot of people don't know that I've actually had a private education for most of my life. So I've got to give uh, a lot of credit again to my parents because if they hadn't, you know, sort of, put me into those uh situations mate i wouldn't be i wouldn't be as well spoken or i'd like to think i'm well spoken anyways uh the words haven't started slurring just yet um nah so you know like that was a big part of me you know sort of coming across uh you know a bit more or trying to come across a bit more eloquent and 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 you know just to just to be more well spoken i think private education was definitely a good thing it helped me learn to talk to different types of people it helped me be a bit more you know all-rounded in, in in terms of like you know what sort of groups i'm able to sort of be around and stuff like that. and i made some you know really good friends as well um i actually remember like the last like school fight i had like everything got caught on camera than me just you know smacking this kid to the floor <laughs> and uh yeah and at that point you know my dad was like nah we we you know we need to leave this like we can't do this and then i ended up trying to apply for 
one of the toughest schools in the net. I think they're like dragged to the top 10 schools in the country. Uh, it's called Haberdash, as I'm not sure if you're, oh, you're aware. Okay. But anyways, I don't know how the hell I got in, but out of, what, six guys, there was one place available. I told them about my sports accolades because a lot of, obviously, from kickboxing, all my all my trophies and stuff like that. But obviously, the basketball was going quite well. So I told them a bit about that. And, you know, I told them straight up what happened because <laughs> I had, like, a little nose thing, you know, because I had yeah. my nose broken. So, you know, I just... And the thing is, you'd think me exposing this to a private school top level like you'd think they're probably like nah we've got to get this kid away from here but i don't know they seem to see something in me and uh they chose me out of, out of the six kids uh, and i remember the first year was terrible i did the first two years of that school i did horrifically like my grades were not on point i remember <laughs> there's a lot of uh, parents evenings where my parents are like modestus we're paying all this money what the hell is going on you need to sort yourself out basically <laughs> Uh, and then I pulled it back just before GCSEs. Um, I managed to, you know, get get good grades. I've got grades to get back into the school again. Do you know what? There's a there's a massive theme in my life where it's being underestimated or um, you know being overlooked. And I, yeah. I think it's almost annoying in a way because I'm like, so you lot really don't believe me? Are you using my kindness for weakness or something? Because a lot of people, just because I don't say nothing, or now I've started to become maybe, I guess you could say, a little bit more outspoken. But because I'm quite a wacky, sort of crazy, energetic personality, but you know, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not like the most brash or anything like that. And I don't know. And obviously, I want to be nice to people. I want to be courteous. I don't want to be. I want to be a dick to people. Mm. So. You know, I, I don't know, like I say, I don't know if they use that as weakness or whatever, but I remember the ho like literally my whole life has been the same thing. Everyone thinks you're not that good or you there's people that are better or whatever. So and I remember even then my form tutor like was like, Oh yeah, you need to make sure you study, otherwise, you know, you're not gonna get the grades to get them. and I showed him my grades when I when I got my GCSE results. I was basically like, In your face <laughs> 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 Obviously it wasn't quite like that. I mean, you know, I still had to be respectful and everything. That's but, what you thought though. Yeah, in my head I was like, Listen, mate, you did not believe in me one minute. It's understandable though. From someone in that position, they they all they know to achieve good results in school, you've got to study, 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 study. And I was yeah. pretty much playing basketball. Like, I, I would travel all over London. Like, I'll come home at, like, 10 in the evening, 10.30 in the evening. Pretty much the same as it is now, except I had no car. I was using local transport. And, you know, you're going all over across London to get train sessions in when, at the same time, you've got to bloody study and, like, get these grades in. So, uh, but so pretty much from about, yeah, like I said, till, till about... About 16 years old is when I started applying for a school that one of my old coaches went to in America. And the coach that coached him still co was still still coaching there. So that's how I ended up getting the the hook up there. You know, they showed a couple of game tapes and like, yeah, yeah, let's bring them over. Um, and yeah, that's so I ended up actually living. So again, from from stopping doing martial arts seriously, but still winning medals. My last my last uh British kickboxing titles when I was 14. That was the under... Well, I think it was the, I was 14 or 15. That was when I won the under-16 title. And uh, that was like my last like sort of most prestigious sort of title that I won up until that point. And again, not doing it seriously. Like, I stopped doing, you know, martial arts seriously when I was about 11. So, and when I would train for fights, I will just train for the fight and that's it. 
I'll just, you yeah. know, then I can keep doing my own thing. Or I'll train basketball mainly, but then I'll do a little bit of fighting on the side. So, but then I went to Amer America for, for high school for two years. From <laughs> So, yeah, 16 years old kid going all the way to another country by himself, living with another family. That was another amazing experience that I had. Um, so I lived out there for two years. Um, and then uh, I actually found out I was all right at American football. Um, fun <laughs> enough, uh, I, I I played the most, the easiest position to understand. Like in terms of, you don't have to know certain like plays. You just have to know a couple of things, and that's it. But obviously, they couldn't exactly put me anywhere else. Like if I would play offense, I'd have to know about like you know forty different plays. And at the end of the day, they didn't know if I was like cut out for that. So they just made. I would have loved to have played offense, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I would have loved to play like tight end or something. But and do you know what? To be honest, that was where. As well in America, it's crazy. Their strength and conditioning is next level. Like, I, like this is why you have freak athletes, like genetically, you know, animal, genetic animals out there. Because from 15 years, like pretty much 14, 15 years old, dudes are doing power cleans. I'm talking like coached by NFL coaches and stuff like that. They're doing like bench press that they know all the techniques which is why now when i do my strength condition with my dad he tells me to do a snatch with the bar or clean a press with the bar i know all the techniques for it but i've got to thank you know give credit to when i went to america because they taught everything properly you and it was all about getting your maxes like yeah my bench max when i went there was 180 pounds which was horrific right and then when i left it was about 275 so you can imagine Big the difference in a jump of uh yeah, like it's it's great. Like I said, I was a skinny kid, man. Like, and I, I, it's funny. Back in the day, I used to think I was I was big. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. I've got a bit of definition going on here. And then I'll come to real. I look at old pictures now. I'm like, bloody hell, I was delusional. <laughs> I was like, I, I used to go out. I used to go out wearing like uh, like short sleeve tank tops, thinking I'm the big guy. And then I've come to realize, like, <laughs> I was a pipsqueak. Um, but yeah. I guess as well, you know, being like the, always the smaller kid, the skinny kid, it, you know, fighting bigger guys. That's why now when I spar heavyweights and stuff like that, like I have no problem strength wise. Um, and again, credit to the the training that I did in America as well. Um, but yeah, um, I ended up like, you know, I wanted to get a division one scholarship, but uh, that wasn't on the cards. You know, a couple of division two schools had a look at me and the scouting. Uh, I ended up, I think, Apparently, some Division One schools for for American football were like sort of looking at me and scouting me, but I had no idea. So, if you can imagine, I was in put in a very tough spot. I was like, do I continue playing American football and take away time from basketball, which is what I came here for, or you know? So I ended up quitting halfway through the season. You know, I got a massive backlash for that because uh, mm. obviously all my teammates are like, you basically just ran out on us. It took a while to get back into their trust circles again, but. Uh, but, you know, I had to do what was best for me. At the end of the day, like I said, if I'm going out there for one sport, I've got to dedicate myself to that sport and really put it out there. And even then, like, look, the coaches, like, you know, they liked me and, you know, they, they wanted me to do well. But that's where I got a lot of the mental toughness because they'll keep telling you you're doing shit. They'll keep telling you you're no good. They'll keep, you know, and you just have to keep playing through it. You can't throw a strop. You can't, you know, and if you do, they just won't play you. So it's as mm. simple as that. I mean, I started, so I, I like, you know, I was considered one of the better uh, players on the team. Um, uh, so, you know, being a starter on the team and stuff like that, you know, is quite, you know, a, pres a prestigious thing for, for you to be on the starting lineup on the basketball team and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll get, I'll get, 
I'll get hammered into any little thing I've done that was wrong. <laughs> they, he would always, you know, go mad at me. But I got to thank him for that. I got to thank him because it gave me another level of toughness in my mind. It's like, okay, you can keep telling me I'm doing crap, I'm doing whatever, but I'll still keep pushing forward and still try and prove you wrong. Basically, it's a lot of. I feel like my life is a lot of proving people wrong who've underestimated, who think don't, you know, don't don't think too highly of me. And I'm, again, I'm thankful and grateful for those experiences because. It just makes me who I am today. And when I go and fight, then it makes me want to work harder. It makes me want to improve the areas that I'm not so good at. So that's what brings that sort of mentality out. And obviously, BST um, has helped a lot on the holes that I had in my game, which, you know, now in fights, I almost I almost shock people. But um, yeah. yeah, so I finished, yeah, so I finished uh, uh, school when I was 18. Then I came back home because there was a decision. Do, should I go to university there or should I come back home? My dad says, listen, get a job and go and, uh, and, and, and let's start the fighting career. Let's get you back in this thing. And I got really motivated at that point. I was like, yeah, I feel this is my last chance to make it as a, as a professional athlete because clearly the other sports didn't work out. But I was thankful because I, I came back way more athletic. I came back way stronger, um, a lot more fatigued. Like the cardio was horrendous, mm -hmm. absolutely horrendous. Even after basketball season, all I did, so I literally had a from a period from January, like January till about May when I left. I literally all I did was lift weights. I just went to the weight room and just thought, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was just like, I just want to get big, <laughs> like, you know, drink these drink these protein shakes and just get. And I got massive. Like within yeah. the space of a couple of months, I made some newbie gains. Like that's where my benchmarks went up and my power cleans went up and stuff like that. But like I said, I had no cardio when I came back home. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I came back, like everything just went, you know, everything ramp, ramped up properly. And ever since then, you know, I've been I've been working my way up the way up the ladder. I've had, you know, a couple of things that have knocked me back. I mean, a lot of people don't even know that I had a heart operation either. You know, that's when I was, I, I've had a heart murmur, not heart murmur, sorry, heart palpitations for my whole life. So I had my, most of my athletic career in those other sports and in kickboxing with a heart palpitation disorder so it's like how the hell did i even manage to finish those fights because basically when it got to a certain heart rate if you imagine your your heart has like a particular circuit goes around and that that constitutes a beat mine had an external circuit which means when it got to a certain heart rate it'll go around the smaller one so it'll just be like do you know what I mean? And like proper pounding against my chest. Yeah, yeah. Lightheaded, dizzy. Sometimes I'll just keep keep competing. Like I'll try and just run it off because you have to do like yeah, running off of fucking heart palpitation. Yeah, uh -huh. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like it's ham, like it's like a like a bang on the knee or something. Just running yeah, it. Yeah, like oh mate, Fuck. I remember we'll be running in forty degree heat. So this is Louisiana where I was. So mm. it was like deep south humidity and sanity. We'd be doing like 14, uh, 1600 meter runs and, you know, 100 meter sprints, 400 meter runs. And the, the worst thing he was like, in the 400 meter runs, he was like, you have to run faster every single time. So start your first one slow because you have to get everyone faster. And he says, if you go slower, you're going to have to do an, an extra one at the end. Like they used to push us madly. But imagine I had heart palpitations whilst that, whilst that was going on. So it's like, I had to run faster whilst doing that. Obviously, at those points, like, you know, I told him, I've got this thing, I need to recover. Then he would let me recover. But do you know what I mean? So I, re and the thing is, the NHS are amazing. They're absolutely amazing. But 
at the same time, you have to really push for it. Like you can't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you like, telling me, mate? I know more than more than most. <laughs> trust me. Like if you, like, well, you 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 probably understand. Like if you just tell them it's a little something, or you know, I can't do some sport, then they'll just basically just wave it off. I remember the first doctor I saw when I was like, because I, I told my dad, I said I can't compete in MMA if this keeps going on. Because if it happens in a fight, I'm gonna be screwed. Like I'm, it could be very dangerous. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, my dad was like, 100%. I agree with you. We need to get this sorted first, and uh, yeah. So um, we went to the doctor, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we'll do a couple of blood tests and see how you are." Blood test came back. Obviously, nothing was wrong because my bloods are fine. And he was like, "Yeah, well, yeah, yeah just do this, and, and you'll be mm -hmm. fine." I'm like, "You're not even trying to help me out." Like I'm, and so then I got mad, and my dad got mad. We made, we sent a letter. We went, and I said, "Listen, we need to see like a good doctor. We don't need to see this other doctor. We need to see this one." And then I gave like a very heartfelt story i might like, listen this is like i'm not fulfilling my life at all if i don't if i don't compete and this is stopping me from competing this is something where okay a regular joe it, it will, will be fine to handle this but me no i can't i need to do this like this is and luckily they felt sympathetic towards me and they finally what i've been telling them for like literally years i need to do the uh, uh 24 hour heart rate monitor because they've done all the tests they've done the the fitness tests like, oh your fitness is amazing i'm like <laughs> Well, yeah, because you're making me run on a treadmill. That's not inducing the palpitations where I'm training to like a mad like heart rate. Yeah. So, you know, we, we put the, the heart rate monitor on and we did pads. Lo and behold, boom, I had a palpitation that was recorded. They found it and they got it sorted. Worst operation of my life because I was awake the whole time was uh, prodding wires at my bloody groin all the way up into my heart. Like felt like I was like some, some alien was like coming up <laughs> my body. I was like awake the whole time and they had That's to mad. that induce the palpitations that to find where it was they had to do like uh, radio waves which felt like heartburn but like times a thousand like it was bad i was mate that operation i was literally crying on the, yeah, on, no the, surprise, on the table man. because they didn't put enough anesthetic in my leg so i literally just felt these wires up my leg like it was painful it's nasty and then, mate and then they couldn't uh they couldn't stop the palpitations either so at one point it got to the point where my heart literally just couldn't get back to regular rhythm it just kept on going with the so we like go a little bit of palpitation then stop a little bit of palpitation then stop and they couldn't stop it like they thought okay this will go away in a bit and they're like hold on a minute this is not good they had to put me to sleep shock like you know the the electric shock thing yeah yeah they had to shock my heart back into regular rhythm which I thought was scary. I'm being put to sleep whilst they're basically electrocuting the crap out of me. Jesus Christ. And then, um, but yeah, look, everything worked out great. The, the, the operation was a massive success. I honestly had not felt better in my life. I was like, it was a breath of fresh air. At that point, I'm like, okay, now I can really go for this career and really do what I've got to do. And um, yeah, so then after all that, so I think I had I had two amateur fights already with the and all those kickboxing fights with these palpitations, which is mad. <laughs> Don't know how the hell I managed to. Anyway, so once the palpitations were cleared, then uh, you know I, I built up quite a very good, well, quite a good amateur record. I won two titles. I was seven and one, and then uh, no one wanted to fight me. Like at that point, it was like literally I could not find an opponent. And I remember the last fight that basically. I was 21 as well. I was like, why are people not wanting to fight me? Like you see a lot of amateurs now who are like my age, you know, 25 and they're still fighting amateur, which is great because you need the experience, but, and more people are willing to fight now. But back then, like it was weird. Like, I was 21 going, going into pro. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, like the last fight, the guy didn't turn up to the weigh-in on the day. And uh, yeah, so I found out on the day I had no opponent. So I'm like, what the hell? I literally trained all this time and I got no opponent. But I was I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I even talked on the mic, but I have to give credit to Dave O'Donnell and UCMMA because they, they gave me some great matchups. They always took care of me. You know, I won titles on his show. So it was, it was good. Then I fought pro. Uh, then I went 4-0. Um, and then, and that was, and the first, so after I went, I think 2-0, no, what, I, I just won my pro debut. So I was 1-0. I was 21. That's when I first went out to Jackson's. Um, and then I sparred with Arlovsky. You know, I got their respect. They told me to come back. Uh, Arlovsky actually paid for me to stay an extra week. A lot of people don't know that either. He paid wow. for me to stay an extra week. Uh, to train, to help him train, which was amazing because he's a lovely fella, uh, hits like a truck. Um, but <laughs> it's good that, again, he saw something in me. Uh, they all saw that I was talented. So, and I was only there for a short time. I was there for like two weeks the first time round, like maybe two or three weeks. But then when I when I came back, I'm like, and then I won I won three fights after that. That's when I went 4-0. and Then I was like, mm, we need to go again, but we need to go for longer. And this was before I had my first title opportunity. Um and I was scheduled to fight Mike Shipman, but he had to pull out due to injury. Uh, so then they put in Pavel Dorofte as a replacement. This was, and I found this when I was actually already in America when I was training, and I was training with John Jones, and you know I got amazing experience. That was, I was literally like his main sparring partner. We literally trained every single day. We went round for after round after round. The first time we done kickboxing, we did like five rounds. Uh, we did MMA, like we trained a lot of jiu-jitsu. Um, but yeah, like I remember even the conversation I had because the guy that I got replaced with was 16 and three was his record. And my record was four and oh. So a lot of the coach, the coaches and my dad were like, listen, we think you should take this fight. We know you can win. You just got to be yourself and blah, blah, blah. But I asked Jones, I was like, listen, this is what I got offered on the table. What do you think I should do? And he goes, listen, the, the smarter move would be not to take this fight and maybe take another opponent. But he said the courageous move would be to win. Uh, sorry, would be to take this fight because if you win, you're right on the top of the heap. And me, I love taking risks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but not only that, I think you've got to be. A lot of people they 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 have big dreams and this and that, but they're a little like you know, not to say that they're delusional, but like they don't understand either what you have to do to work to get to that point, or you know, is your skill level actually there? Do you need to actually look at yourself and? hold on a minute, I need to really work on myself. At that point, I felt I could de definitely win. I was not like, you know, my skill set was definitely, mate, I was sparring with Jones. Like, mm -hmm. what What more can you, you know, at that point, I was like, I'm destined to be something in this sport. Um, I just need to just go out and be myself and, and do what I know I can do. And um, it's funny because after, um, after I left, um, or when I came back home, uh, I actually talked to the, which are now my management company. So I talked to them when, uh, I was 4-0 and and they were like, oh yeah, you know, we'll see how your career goes. You know, we'll chat to you. You know, we'll keep in contact. So as many people know, I actually ended up losing two fights in a row. I, I lost the one for the title by footlock and then I got signed to Cage Warriors and there, there was big things. There's there big promises. There was big, like, you know, a big hype around me at that point. It's like, even, you know, the president was like, you know, this is no problem. You'll, you'll, you'll get back in there. You know, you've lost one fight, but you took that too early. We can get you built back up. And um, I ended up losing my debut in, uh, in Cage Warriors, which, so losing two in a row was quite a devastating thing for me because after all these big things, after all this hype about, everyone just thought it was a hype train. Like there was a lot of, 
downwards chat about me. This is where it goes back to being underestimated, being, you know, talked over, being, you know, really, a lot of people just stopped believing in me. Uh, obviously not my family, not my dad or anything like that. There's a lot of things I had to change though after that. Um, I had to, I had to basically uh, change up a lot. I was overtrained massively. That's why it actually ended up causing me to get injured. But I was training three times a day with trying to do 100% intensity. You cannot do that. Anyone who tells you they can train four times a day with 100% intensity are lying to you because it's physically impossible. <laughs> and yeah, I'm telling yeah, you right now. Do you know what I mean? So um, that was one thing I changed. And I just trained twice a day hard and got good sessions in. Uh, another thing was boxing sparring. This is where it comes down to the mental. Uh, I was not a killer. I needed to be a killer. Like, I was too much of a sportsman. I was, like, I was too nice. I was too, you know, I just need to go in there and perform. Not, I need to go in there and rip this guy's head off. So, my mind completely changed when I went to boxing sparring because, and I actually found I had quite a knack for boxing. Like, you know, I sparred against guys like Derek Chisora and, you know, we had, we, I had to spar some top level guys and, you know, holding my own against those guys, I sh it showed that I do have hands. But, um, I needed the aggression to go along with it. Like now when I went to the sparring, it's like they are literally trying to knock me out. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter that we don't know each other. They are trying to kill you. So you have to go. I've, I've had probably one or two concussions from uh, from boxing sparring, which evidently is not good. But now that I've learned the game and I've got the aggression, I can avoid having those sort of... Uh, but I needed it. A hundred percent needed it. I mean, it's not often you hear I needed to have a concussion, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I needed those experiences to realize I need to be, I need to, it's a dog eat dog world. You got to, you got to go and get what's yours. So anyways, there's a lot of things I've done that were different. My weight as well. Nutrition played a big part. I had to, I realized I was severely under eating so many athletes nowadays severely i i hear it all the time i'm like how are you training so hard eating the way you are so that i i got a completely changed perspective everything went great end of the year i'm like i'm ready to rock this uh cage warriors didn't get me a fight and you know obviously i can understand they were a little bit annoyed with me for losing that fight which really they put it in my favor that i should have won and you know but whatever whatever the case is uh they couldn't find me a fight they said okay we'll find you fighting the new year I went to go and see my, my ex-missus at the time. Um, she literally, um, she, we, we'd been dating for five years, like long distance. That was where a girl that I met in high school. Um, he, and she actually came to watch me my first, so she, I was winning 4-0, blah, blah, blah. But she was there when I lost my first fight. And, you know, already from that moment, I could tell that maybe things weren't going to work out between me and her because already I started to see a loss of belief in her eyes. So yeah. for me, that was like, Mm, a bit of a red flag here but anyway so i booked a trip to go to america i i was telling my dad i don't want to go like i'm in amazing shape i don't want to go to america i don't want to like i need to stay here and train he goes no no no, modesta listen you've had a you've had a tough year um you know you should go and recuperate you've paid this money go and relax come back refreshed ready to go new year you're gonna be ready but he said stay in shape because you could have a fight in february so i was like fair play then i went back there and uh yeah, that's actually where I ended up tearing my meniscus. Uh, one of my coaches, amazing guy, uh, Viren Keller's his name, amazing guy. Uh, literally, every time I talk to him, he's, he's like a brother, man. He's like a big brother. He was there for me all the time in, in the basketball. He was my old basketball coach. 
So like the assistant coach, he'd always take me in the morning at six in the morning to come and help me shoot hoops and stuff like that. So amazing fella. And he really wanted to help me out with the MMA. So he's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, uh, he found a gym for me, like, you know, like a massive space. I'm like, bloody hell, if these MMA gym, like if these sort of outside behind, you know, gyms got cleaned up a little bit, man, like America could do quite well, like in terms of having gyms elsewhere instead of just that American top team, like they got they had some good facilities. Anyways, I was just doing my spinning kicks like normal. Everything's going fine. Um, and the next thing you know, I'll just do a spinning, uh, free, I think, 360 or 540 or whatever. Like normal, I landed on it properly. It wasn't like I landed on it awkward or whatever. And I just feel, hear a rip and, uh, and like my knee just swelled up. And I'm like, oh, this could not have happened at the worst time. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, and especially because I was in another country as well, like my, my friend had to help me pay to, to even get seen by a doctor because they're all private. They don't, you know, have an NHS like we do. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a bad thing. I mean, and then from that point onwards, everything went downhill, my relationship, like she was still like, she still loved me and we're all cool. But like every time the conversation would come up, so how long you, the question would always be, how long you doing this fighting thing for? How long are you doing this and that? And I'm like, well, I'm gonna do this until I'm UFC champion. Like, there's no, there's no two ways about it. Like, I ain't stopping. You're not gonna see no quitting me. Um, anyways, so when I came back home, uh, so up until this point, I had a sponsor who helped me train. Like, you know, uh, and amazing. He helped me out for for a long time. Fair enough. But I got left in quite a bad spot. So, um, you know, initially I was told that I would have the operation paid for. That didn't happen. So. We ended up prolonging when I could have got recovered. Um, I had to go to the NHS, which again, luckily, they literally, in one week, I told them about my leg injury. I told them about my career. I said, listen, this is my livelihood. In one week, they got it sorted. I'm like, bloody hell, thank the Lord. Thank Do you know what I mean? Like, seriously, uh, NHS pulled through once again for me. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing. So when they do, like, you know, go, go, like they can help you a lot. Um, it just, you have to really, you know, nag it into them. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah. So I basically, when I came home, I had a conversation with my, girl, my ex-girlfriend again. She said, like, her family started not liking me because basically they just all just didn't believe in me. They're like, oh, now he's got injured. Oh, now how long is it going to be before he comes and moves in? So I decided to end it. Like, what's the point? Like, we're clearly, this, we need to do our own thing. So I just split up with a long-time girlfriend, which was emotionally heartbreaking. Um, I just lost a sponsor, which now I'm literally left with no money um i have no way of income i'm injured i i still need an operation i'm like what do i do i was literally at the low like i was at the lowest of the low there was times where mate i tell you mentally um like it was very like i was in a deep depression uh my dad would come into my room uh, a lot of days and i'll just be crying because i'm like i can't handle this the co-codamol that i had for my knee after the operation Honestly, that's what helped me at least stay a little bit slight, even sane because it made me like not not think about how bad things were. Like because it makes your head like go spaced out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, mate, there's there's times where, you know, if you were talking like real deeply, like, you know, there would you know, there's a couple of thoughts of suicide even. Like it was bad, man. Like I I literally was like, How the hell am I gonna come back from this? And it was only the people that were close to me, the people that loved me and supported me, like my dad, like my family, my stepmom, my sister, and stuff like that. That really, my dad always told me since day one, Modesto, I believe in you. This is nothing that's going to stop you. You need to, 
come back from this, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be fitter, you're going to be better. I have to give credit to my mum as well. Um, she helped. So the, the road to recovery happened when uh, I went to go and do my, uh, the physio, I took it very seriously every day, obviously. But again, I had no money. So I need to figure out how the hell I'm going to get money. So um, she helped me pay for my PT course. I got my PT qualification. I went and worked. At, I finally found a job at a gym. The rehab started going better. I was coming back. I started being able to do wrestling. So, mate, everything just started spiraling upwards after that. It was a very slow process, but we started getting back. But still, there was a lot of doubt in people's minds. You should see when I was in the training room, man. Everyone was like, yeah, he was good, but is he really that good? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I could see it, and I could see it. Because you can see the contrast from how I was then to how it is now, <laughs> uh, which is mad. But understandable again, because unless you're performing, people ain't going to believe in you, are they? So uh, anyways, so I went on a massive, like, you know, then, then after that, won the kickboxing fight, you know, um, won two fights in a row on Cage Warriors. Um, I was even scheduled to fight Kenneth Berg at one point. Um, and then he pulled out a couple of days uh, out from the fight. And then he ended up turning up to the event and in my opponent's corner as well, which I thought was a bit strange. Um, but anyways, then I dislocated my left knee. Like, mate, it's just a whole roller coaster. Then, uh, then I, I recovered, and then I, uh, I got the Fight Star Championship opportunity. I won the belt, and then at this point, because Cage Wars weren't finding me a fight, I'm like, "Do you like?" I was like, "Do you guys genuinely not believe in me?" Because I just now won the Fight Star belt in the first round, like by TKO. I just won two fights for you earlier. Yeah, they weren't the best performances, but I won those fights. Like I told them, me and my dad were like, "Give me someone good. Give me someone that you think is going to pose me a threat and that's going to get me out of there." They gave me Marcin Wojciech, very tough opponent, very respectful, very good guy, like very well respected in Poland as well. Like he, he, was, he fought for the KSW title twice. So he was like very well known. I, and I was losing, it's a story of my life, you know, I was down on the scorecards, I was losing the whole time. And then second round, my dad told me the whole sequence, the whole of 2019, every last sequence, my dad told me the exact sequence to finish my opponent. Um, he goes knee, 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 landed a knee, started landing some punches, landed a head kick. Then he goes, spin it back kick. Like you see him on the camera, he's like, oh. and then uh, spinning back kicked him, knocked him out in the second round. At the end, when I was losing the whole fight, everyone thought I was going to be out. And then, then that's when people started thinking, okay, there might be something about him. They're still not convinced, but they're like, okay, he's got good striking, but yeah, you know, his resting defense ain't great. This is where I, I spent a lot of time extensively at B, BST and all my all my jiu-jitsu gyms to really get back up to my... Even with my dad as well, he showed me some sambo techniques just to help me get back up to my feet. That's where the shark times are. I literally forced myself in bad situations to try and improve and alleviate those problems. And then, uh, yeah, then we get on to the... Um, then we get on to the title fight. <laughs> what, four to one underdog? Something crazy? I was a massive underdog. Like, literally everyone counted me out. They're all talking on the podcast. It really, in my head, I just use it as fuel. But looking back on it now, I'm like, you lot literally thought I was a, I was a washover. Like, I had nothing for this guy. They're all too. Even when he had interviews before, I stayed respectful. But before, apparently, he was saying, "Oh yeah, he's skilled. You know, he's 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 got heart, but he's not very skilled." And blah blah blah. And I'm like, say what? Um, but yeah, so massive underdog. They're all talking about him going to UFC Copenhagen, UFC Copenhagen. I'm like, and I heard it so many times. And I'm like, do you know what, motherfuckers? 
I'm going to go out there and do your boy and I'm going to be the one that's going to be in the spotlight after this. Because I'm like, you think that you're just going to walk all over me? What, first two rounds? Ain't going to happen. And then uh, I end up, listen, respectful. Uh, you know, he's a great athlete, good guy. You know, we had a, we had a good uh, fight. You know, I end up beating him in the fourth. But it's like, don't think you're going to walk all over me in the first two rounds. Like, I'm not a, a washover fight like the guys that you that you fought. So, um that was the second high level guy that I beat. Got the cage was belt. That's when I got in the spotlight. That's when I then that same agency that had talked to me when I was four and zero said, "I've been watching your whole career. Let's let's chat about management." And boom, they are now my management. So it's crazy how things come full circle. Like they talked to me ages ago and they still believed in me. They still saw potential in me. And then they see I won the even before that I won the title. They contacted me and said, "Listen, after the fight, let's talk about management." So they already believed that I was going to win that fight anyways. And I did. So everything just played out amazing. This is where visualization helped out a lot. Mate, I could go on for ages. But um, like I say, uh, yeah, then um, after that, there was already talks that I could get into the UFC at that point. Um, they're already saying, you know, you could get on at last minute on Copenhagen. So we were waiting for that. We were seeing what was going to go on. Um It didn't, uh, obviously we didn't get the call up because no one pulled out or anything like that. But I was fine. But then, the question was next, like, what do we do? And I'm like, I want to fight. So my management was like, listen, we can wait or you can fight. And I said, I want to fight. I'm a fighter. This is what I do. If I'm going to be scared about losing now, then why the hell am I in this game? Like, if I don't feel I'm going to beat these guys now, why, why the hell am I? Why the hell am I? Do you know what I mean? So I took a fight against another top-ranked opponent, a top Italian guy. Literally, his only loss was to a guy that's in the UFC now. And then, you know, I beat him in the first round. Again, very respectful guy, very good athlete. But again, they all played like more of the wrestling game. And then I got back up to my feet. And then again, the same sequence. My dad goes, elbows, elbows, elbows. Next thing you know, the elbows landed and they struck badly. Um, everything that happened in all these fights, I visualized everything. This is what people don't get either. I literally sit there and, and envision all what would happen from the walkout to the chain room. I felt like I was having deja vu. How the hell do you go into a fight already having deja vu? That's already when I knew I'd won. Same like in the title fight. I felt like I was having deja vu even then. So it's mad how everything just, just comes out to play. And yeah, then uh, obviously my man, even even my management were talking to me and like, you know, we're trying to figure out like what's next or what we, like, are we going to get to UFC? What's going to happen? Because I just defended it. And they were literally telling me that winning my, you know, defending my belt again probably wouldn't raise my stock anymore. Like, yeah, it would add to my record of be experienced, but realistically, would that help you get to the UFC? Probably not. So I was like, so what do we do? They they were talking about the contender series. So I agreed with them. I was like, 100%. So the, the deal was, we're probably going to fight in June in the contender series because they do want me on there. And then uh, next thing you know, just after New Year's, uh, or just before New Year's, I had a conversation and that was the conversation I had with my manager, like trying to figure out like what's going on. Like I just need to know. I want to know where my career is going. I just defended my belt. You know, surely I should be you know getting somewhere here. And then uh, he goes, "Listen, let me talk to Matchmaker, and then when he comes back from holiday, and then we'll get it sorted for you." And then uh, yeah, he gave me the call like literally about four or five days later um, at three. Well, at one in the morning he called me. Obviously, I was asleep. But then at three in the morning, I woke up for, you know, like the morning pee that you need to go mm -hmm. to. You, know, you wake up and go to the toilet after I've been smashing down six litres of water. And then, um, yeah, I, I woke and the things I woke up at three o'clock, I'm like, should I call my manager back? Is it really that important? I was like, yeah, why not? I'm awake now. Why not? Thought nothing of it. Called him and he had like a pulled call with all the rest of the guys in my, in my management team. And I'm like, he never really does that. Like, usually I've, I just talk to him personally or yeah. whatever. 
And then he goes, how you doing? How you doing, Modesto? I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. I mean, you know, it's three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not been able to sleep, you know, whatever. And he goes, well, I don't think you're going to, I don't think that's going to bother you too much after I tell you this. I'm like, really? What's that? He goes, how do you feel about fighting in the UFC? I'm like, no way. Like, I literally, I said, wow, for like literally like the next 10 minutes. I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was just like, he's just sitting there. I couldn't believe it. Um, but at the same time, like, and again, this, this might go into some questions that people would ask me, but, you know, it wasn't such a shock when they told me. Like, yeah. although it was like, oh my gosh, wow, like, crap, like, we're in the UFC, like, it's surreal that that, you know, that you've been dreaming for has actually happened. The dream has become reality. At the same time, that was the logical next step for me. For yeah. me, that's what I wanted next. That's what I'm working for. So why would I... Uh, you know, why would I feel like, oh my God, like now I feel like I'm ready. Like this is like the, the logical next step. So realistically, I've just gone through the whole journey that, you know, maybe put into a book someday after the career's over. But uh, yeah, so I've been through a lot of ups and downs and I've got to be very thankful because, mate, if I didn't have the people that supported me over all this time, I would not be where I am. If I didn't have my dad, if I didn't have my stepmom, my mom, my sister, and all the people that are very close to me and all my teammates like BST, do you know what I mean? Um, Roger Gracie Academy, Millhill BJJ, like all, all like Legion Wrestling. There's so many people, like so many people that are just so close and they want me to do well, especially Danny Batten. I mean, you obviously talked to him as well. Like you can see he really cares about me. There's the, like, you know, as much as my dad cares about me, Danny has that same sort of level of care and he has that the same with all of his athletes. So, yeah. and I feel the same like that with all my coaches. You, you, I don't feel you can be anywhere else. You, like when Denison is in my corner, like, you know, he may not see me for a month or whatever, but you'll come in the corner and he'll give me all the best advice that I need to go out and or give me a little trick that I'm like, oh, yes, I could definitely use that. They really care about me. I feel if you want to be the best or you want to be at the top, you've got to have people that are like your family. And I'm just so thankful and grateful that I've got guys that I connect with really well. Yes. That, that's what's going to help me at the end of the day. Sorry, I went on like no, yeah, man. a whole hour, but. <laughs> no, you're all right, man. That, so it's. That was awesome because, like, like you say, you just take take took us through from the start to where we are now. Um, and it's funny because, like, I'll ask you know guys, athletes, fighters, footballers, whatever, actors, musicians, the same question. And I recently did one with someone who I'm not going to name because it was a really good interview and it was cool and I like him a lot. But it was just like I asked them and they went, uh, "I'm from here," and that it was like one sentence. And it was like, oh, come on, give me a bit more, give me a bit more, um, and and you just gave me forty five minutes life story. That was awesome. I know it. Yeah, I'm quite the talker, as you. No, can tell. yeah, that's good. That's good. When we got this stuff coming, but you know what? Like about twenty minutes in, I was thinking, oh, could I just go and nip out there, have a quick smoke, come back, and he still still be talking. But no, that was good. It was cool. I love it. Lot <laughs> to unpack from all that. Um, so I kind of wrote a couple of things down just as we were going through. Like, obviously, you mentioned you went to private school, which is pretty uh, unusual for, you know, for fighters and stuff, really. You know, like a lot of fighters that wouldn't have that education behind behind them. Um, and, you know, you can tell instantly by, like, just talking to you and stuff that you're, you know, you're well-educated, well-spoken. Um, obviously, you've learned loads of different sports. Um, basketball was the one then basketball and American football interested me particularly basketball because you said like you're good at basketball uh, and then obviously you went out to the US for a couple of years did you 
did you notice this difference in the standard of basketball from like the UK to then when obviously when you go to America and it's like <sighs> everyone's everyone's shit out of it? I, I mean, listen, what what I'd say is that okay, if you imagine all the t- now the top players in Britain can hang with the Americans, no problem. The top, I'm talking the cream of the crop. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's not that many of them in Britain. Like there's not as that as many, like in, in America, like all the guys that are like the cream of the crop here, there's m- way more of those guys in America because obviously that's like one of their main sports along with like baseball, American football, like basketball is like one of their big time, you know, the NBA's over there and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So there's a lot of kids that start very early and uh you know they ended up like, like they end up doing really like really well at it i think the standard is is just different like they're they're a, they're a lot more professional especially in school man you've got to imagine we're in high school this is not this is not even college level like i'm talking this is like you know 14 to 18 years old guys who are like getting like nfl nba type coaching for strength and conditioning and like the sessions i'm talking like a school team, like I'm talking a school team. Yeah. We, he would tell us to wake up at five in the morning to go and train before we went wow. to class. And we'd still have to go and do class. And then we'd have to train after school as well. So, mate, they took things extremely serious. But you can see why America does so well. Because they literally, their sports teams are, they get all the sponsorships as well. Like over here, you don't get much like support, I guess, in schools yeah. for sports and stuff like that. If you're at the top level, then yes. But not for like grassroots or anything like that. Over there, I went to school. They must have had at least 40 different sponsors from the parents of the school. So I like all these banners of all these different companies. Like they really want to see the school. I mean, listen, our school sports in that particular school that I went to, well, we were ranked. Like, listen, we we went to the state semifinal game. Like that's a big deal. Uh, we lost to the team. Uh, I think that ended up winning it. But the team that we played against that we lost to, our tallest guy was six foot five. I was the second tallest guy on our team. And they had three guys who, who were over six foot five. So they had like, Jesus. and I was guarding a guy who is now playing in the NFL. <laughs> like the guy that I was guarding was at 18 years old, 250 pounds and uh, six foot eight. Jesus he, Christ. He was a muscle bound, like absolute crazy. Do you know what I mean? And I'm guarding guys like that. This is another thing. I've been competing with like top level athletes like pretty much my whole life. So, um, yeah, in America, the level of when like you know teams want to do well, like obviously the, the ones that are lower down, the, you know, they probably don't care as much. But the reason why they're not doing so well is because yeah, the coaching isn't that great or whatever. But the school that I went to, they took it very seriously, yeah. and I can imagine that for about at least sixty percent of schools, that's what they're all like. They, they they want you to 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 really get the most out of your sporting career, which is why their basketball is on a whole other level in comparison to the rest of the world. They beat teams by forty points. <laughs> yeah, like even like um, like college American football or basketball, it's like on TV and stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. they just take it all so you know so seriously, and like they you know like you say that when you take sport and competitions that seriously. And you put the work in, like away from the competitions or the off the field, you're going to see the results. That you know to that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's have a look at some of these questions that we had then. Um, so, like some of them you've answered actually. Like, how old were you when you first started training? Mm-hmm. So we'll leave that amateur fights. 
one thing I noticed, um, I've spoken to like a couple of MMA fighters now, and um, you know, a lot of them do uh, have come from like a background of kickboxing or taekwondo and stuff like that, and then naturally graduated, you know, into MMA, um, which I always find interesting because obviously, like, I'm assuming like professional taekwondo or professional judo and stuff like that is not going to be as lucrative long-term as, as MMA fighting. But equally you want to, um, you want to compete at the highest level. And I think MMA now compared to say 10 years ago is just a different beast because now you've got to be good at everything, every discipline, or you ain't getting to the top. Hundred percent. Whereas last year, like, you know, like 10 years ago, you could be, you could get away with being like a, a top striker, and then okay at like basic def- grappling, defense, whatever. You got no chance of doing that now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, what was your family's reaction when the, when you first when you first told them that uh, you were going to the UFC? Uh-huh. Uh, again, it's probably a different interaction to what most people would expect. I mean, well, some of it may be maybe what you'd expect, but listen, it was four in the morning when I found out this information. Mm-hmm. So obviously it wasn't exactly the best time to, you know, sort of find everything out. But um, yeah, so what, like, I think five o'clock, my dad woke up anyways. And, you know, I came up to him. I, I, I told him, uh, you know, yes, dad. Uh guess where we're going and i said and then he was like what and i'm like oh we're in well we're going to do the ufc baby and mm-hmm. like you know you just see a massive smile on his face literally smiling from ear to ear my stepmom rose absolutely lovely woman um she was jumping up and down she was like do you know what i mean it was like a it was just a the vibe what i noticed was my dad he had a reaction of he's extremely happy but he's like okay that's what we expected that's what we wanted yes yeah. that's, that's what we've been working towards like this is not nothing new to us we know that this is where we need to be so in a way he was just like he just got very very motivated for training he got very excited but you could see that the whole vibe in the house was just of pure just happiness and excitement like we're in the ufc where we're doing bits now this is what we've been working towards like everyone in the house they is just an aura of happiness like yeah if you can imagine would you be walking around doing normal things and we're just a bit more enthusiastic or a little mm. bit more you know, where 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 where, which is a bit more like infused and like happy, like so it's crazy. It's just the the whole vibe was just a pure like you know like heartfelt emotion in the house that you can tell by the way we were talking, by the way we were acting, and it's still the same now. Like what I found out about a month ago, and this is still the same sort of vibe. But uh, at the same time, obviously, like. It's yeah, it's weird because I haven't seen them that happy, like that crazy mm-hmm. happy. Like as obviously I'm, I'm, I'm the same, but, um, but yeah, it's still the same sense of we still got work to do. We need to become yeah, better. Yeah. Like there's still the thought of this ain't like a lot of people can already sit on that and be like, oh, I'm in the UFC. Yeah, that's great. No, th- there's a hell of a lot of work to be done. So obviously, I just get back into the gym. I just do what I got to do. Over Christmas, I was still training. So. You know, I think being a martial artist as well, you have to constantly try and improve yourself. You have to constantly try and level up because, like you said, the games <laughs> games going up, man. Like oh, you yeah. know, trying to trying to beat the top level guys, you have to have a vast skill set. So um, I'm constantly just trying to get better. I'm always humbled in training. Always, always have guys that are better than me. 
But this is why I think I'm I'm having to level up because I'm constantly facing, especially guys at BST, all the jiu-jitsu gyms I go to, um, you know, the wrestling gyms I go to. Everywhere, I'm always trying to level up. This is why um, I I never get ahead of myself. And I'm thankful for that again as well. So, but yeah, pure happiness is is the is like pure heartfelt joy is what I can explain as to the reaction of my family to that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things, I guess, where it's like everything you've worked towards, but equally on the other side of it, it's like right now the hard work really begins as you try to conquer, you know, the UFC, and then um, you know light heavyweight there's a there's a couple of names in there which uh could uh could potentially be fights for you down the line maybe yeah um so you mentioned um like bst and danny button um a couple of times uh johnny asked a question sort of relating around that um check out the danny, danny button mma show every month at least on uh, ace podcast nation by the way Excellent show. Danny's a real good guy. He's technical analysis when doing those shows. I, I just, it's amazing. Yeah, really good. Really intelligent Top guy. Mm. Uh, so Johnny asks, uh, what is uh, Danny Batten's involvement and influence on your training and camps? Well, so I've known him for quite a while now, actually. Um, like after my... It was mainly after like my operation, I started getting back into training. I started heading over there a little bit more. So when I was just getting ready for my debut, I believe, yes, he was... No, he wasn't in my corner for that fight. But it was the one where... So after Sweden is when I literally started doing a lot more work at BST. And then that's when I started involving him in my corner and stuff like that. Um so yeah, about two, two, three years. We've we've known each other for for about yeah, two, three years maybe. We used to spar at Rogers actually. Like mm-hmm. we used to, um, like I remember Linton would come down, like Hodger when we were training all together. And you know, he always told me you you're more than welcome. Like Raymond as well. They always said you know you're more than welcome to come down. And I thought yeah, I might as well you know see what they're all about. And you know, I think the bond that that we created like listen we get on very well as people like i said I, I believe him more than just a coach he's a friend he's you know i feel like he's family do you know what i mean like i said he really cares yeah. about me and i really care about him um like we we always have a good time and we have a good time in training that's another thing like you know although yeah you've got to be serious you've got to get down to it but like you know we have that connection where we have we have a good relationship i feel like you need that with your coaches so i'm, I'm glad that i had that with him but the main influence, man, is he gives me the whole new perspective to the. He gives me the perspective to the game where I can succeed. So everything he does links exactly with what my dad says, exactly, and what mm-hmm. Dennison says. So I'm like, everyone on my team just gels together. So Danny's like an integral part of the whole structure because all the stuff that we're doing, like all the training that we've done, that we've done specifically. He's got a very good fundamental understanding of everything to do in MMA, which a lot of people don't have. A lot of people have that singular track mind of, um, you know, uh, we need to be good at every art singularly. Yeah, of course you do. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, as a martial artist, you need to try and be good at everything in their individual aspects. However, you need to be able to gel it together and know what to do in an MMA situation. Danny is the king of that. Danny is the yeah. king of that. Like literally, if you ask him any situation, what you should do in MMA, 
I've started trying to mold my mindset to what he would what he would try and do or he would tell me to do. And it's definitely like, for example, the fight that I won with uh, Dan Konecki, uh, that was a lot of the training that, that we done with the ground and pound from the back. Even then, I didn't do everything right. I tried to get as much of it right as I could. I finished the guy and managed to control him using the techniques that we done in the sessions, like literally two or three weeks beforehand. That's and cool. All the all the shark tanks that we done, all the all the wrestling stuff, all the wrestling defense, mate. I literally was all the wrestling defense stuff, along with what my dad was telling me as well. Um, everything played exactly how it should have in the Hamlet fight. Everything he had told, he wasn't worried. Like this is another great connection we have as as coach and and, and fighter. I was in the corner and it looked quite dodgy. Like my dad was like, this is quite a dodgy position. You know, he's almost in a head and arm triangle. He's in mountain, whatever. Danny was like, he's good. He's been in this situation before. He'll be fine. That's another key thing that I think you need to, you need to know you, you like, you know, the fact that he knows me as a fighter, he's seen me in those spots. He's like, and he's okay. And he's relaxed. It helps me to stay relaxed. It helps me to, to know what I've got to do in those certain positions. So, uh, Danny's a, just a massive influence in, in my MMA lifestyle. You know, like I say, not just as a, a as a friend and um, you know a massive influence, but listen, he was a massive, he was a crazy athlete himself back in the day. You know, yeah. Cage Warriors champion and stuff like that. You know, he's got a vast amount of experience that not many coaches have. The he's got like a Greg Jackson sort of mind, which is what I like about him. He's got a mind where you need to do everything in an MMA sense and to put yourself in the in the highest percentage to win a fight. And the thing is, he doesn't try and change my game at all. He wants me to try and improve on certain aspects of my game. But he doesn't try and change it. He knows I'm a, I'm a predominant striker, so he doesn't, he doesn't try and fall away from it. The game planning, like listen, to stop the takedown or get back up to my feet and then land my strikes and play the jab and all this and that. Again, it, it gels well with my team. It gels well with me. He's, uh, like I say, he's a mastermind of the game. And again, I'm very lucky to have been put in his pot along with Raymond, mate. Like, I can't thank everyone enough. You know, everyone together, they're all looking out for me to do, to get the most out of me. And and I think that's another thing that that really sticks out to me about Danny is because he's trying to help me get the most out of myself. So, and he can see the improvements. He'll tell me I'm doing good. He'll see something that's not going good. He'll tell me I'm not doing good. And then slowly we try and build and, and and work towards it so i feel like my fundamental mma game it has stepped up a level which yeah. i'm very thankful for so uh big shout out danny <laughs> mm-hmm. um are you good to keep going mate because we... yeah we're all good mate. Yeah, cool um so um uh zach says uh was that you on uh take me out season 11 uh how did that come about right <laughs> I think <laughs> it was basically a very weird sort of situation. I, like, I remember getting a friend, like, listen, I wasn't, I'm still naive to this day, but uh, like, you know, just me going on the internet thing. Oh yeah. Lucy Costa. Yeah. Chick. Let's add her on Facebook. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I added this random person on, on Facebook as a stupid idiot would do, uh, not knowing who the hell they are. And I sort of had a couple of mutual friends. I was like, okay, why not? Yeah. And then, uh, I looked at it and then it said, again, it just drew me in like straight away mm-hmm. from the get go. You, you, I added her and then I looked at a page. It said, Oh, why don't you apply for Take Me Out? Again, I thought nothing of it. I'm like, Oh, well, okay, cool. Yeah, sure. I'll apply for Take Me Out. Why not? <laughs> um, I do my whole application. It took me about, like, you know, about, about 30 minutes because I was chatting a lot of crap on there. Like, in terms of 
I was just answering it the way, like, you know, whatever. I, I was being very sarcastic and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then about five minutes later after I'd done the application, this is how you know they, like, fished me out because five minutes after I'd done the application, I got a phone call because yeah. <laughs> they asked for your number and all that. And then it was from an unknown number. Now, listen, I don't pick up phone calls from unknown numbers because obviously you don't want to get pranked. I don't want to talk to some business, you know, guy yeah, yeah. or someone from a bank. So I just left it. Then I get a message on, on so again, like two minutes later, I get a message on, on, on Facebook. Oh, hey, this is uh, uh, Lucy from Take Me Out. Would you uh, like to uh, take a phone call about your application? I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> again, just completely oblivious to everything. And then uh, we had, a, again, about an hour, like a long conversation. As you can tell, I'm a talker. So uh, I definitely delved into everything quite a lot. And, you know, we went over my answers and everything. I said, oh, okay, well, um, from this phone call, I can, I, I, you know, I can see you're, you're quite an all right lad. I'm like, obviously. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> so then she invited me down for an audition. Uh, went down to London, I think it was like three, three weeks after that phone call. Um, and then, yeah, they literally just got me to, I was in front of a camera with like literally like four other ladies. This is another thing. I had like four other ladies in the room and then they said, okay, now you're going to act out the whole of Take Me Out. What's your entrance song? What's your killer question? On the spot. I'm like, I had no time to prepare. I had yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I didn't even know what to do. Um, and then, yeah, so they had four, five, like five pictures on the wall. They made me act out the whole show in this room with four girls just literally just like <laughs> laughing at me, basically, in front of this camera. And because uh, they had to show the producers, obviously, afterwards, just to see how you were. And then they asked you like questions. I'm like, listen, I'm not the best at comebacks yet. So mm. when they're like, okay, now we're going to like run the show and they like, the girls were saying something, you've got to say something that's not too like, not not too horrendous like you know you're not trying to pile them off too much yeah exactly yeah. To, oh my and i was like shaking up but i'm lucky i had my three or four cups of coffee beforehand i was feeling quite well relaxed and energetic at the same time so, and then uh yeah i just went straight on it um i had some you know pretty decent answers and yeah next thing you know they said oh we'll be in touch if you've got the you know if you've been if you've got the spot and then i got an email saying you've been shortlisted blah 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 and then, uh, yeah, they did the VT stuff, which literally took... The VT, yeah, was like literally, what, a 30-second clip? And they were literally there at my house the whole day. Like, literally the whole Jesus. day. And they... Like, some of the things they took over the top, like, you know, about the religion... Like, listen, I'm religious. I've got religious tattoos. I believe in God. I, you know, I want... You know, I use my faith as a tool to to get me through a lot of good things and bad things at the same time. I feel like it is it definitely being reconnected to my faith as well when I went to America because they're very like big Catholics out there. Yeah, I was happy for that. I was very grateful that I had that um, experience because um, it definitely helped me get through a lot of hard times as well as you know being very grateful for all the good times. But yeah, they took it out of proportion. They said, "Oh, he reads the Bible all the time." <laughs> As soon as that happened, mate, all the girls bloody turned their lights off. But yeah. even on the show, like when I when I got on there, man, and and again on the VT, like literally, they told me, okay, now you just have to dance because we need it for this clip or whatever. I'm like, are you being serious? Like I'm talking in front. Of, so I live in a, in an apartment, but it's like a Tudor sort of house, and yeah. uh, it, quite a nice area we live in. Um, and uh, all my neighbours are like looking out their windows, are like, coming out. You see people like walking <laughs> past. I'm shaking my ass off in like literally spray on jeans in front of a camera. Like I look like an absolute <laughs> moron. Um, but anyway, so that was, that was part of that. And then uh, on the show, man, it was more nerve wracking than going out to a fight. No joke. Like I'm talking, there was four guys on my show and uh, 
I was the last one to go out. That is the worst. I think that's the worst. Just waiting then, and you. If you're the first or the last, that is the worst. Literally, if you imagine all the guys, you're, you're pumping them all up. You're like, oh, you have all the guys in the room. They're like, yeah, you're gonna do great. Blah blah blah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, tell them they're gonna go and smash it. Blah blah blah. And then obviously, if they get a date, they go into another room and this and that. And then, um, so all the guys just slowly start chopping up. Even the last guy, you notice the energy just slowly started slowing down. Like. I was, I was the only one pumping this guy up and blah, blah, blah. And there was like maybe one other producer in the room. And then everyone left. I was the only one left in this room. No. I was in this like literally the, like a room about the size of my bedroom. At, like this small, like it looked like a brilliant prison almost. Like these studios, you know what I mean? Like you're in detention at school saying. And uh, again, I was just sitting there. I'm like, I'm playing some music on the laptop. I'm like, okay, you got this mo. Don't worry, you know, just show me the bit of those cheeky moves you've been practicing. And do you know what I mean? Like trying to get myself pumped up. That yeah, was the yeah. hardest part. Like there was no one to to calm me down or get me ready. I had to do that all myself. And then they're like, okay, Modestas, you're next. Got all the makeup on, got the microphone in. I was like, and then when I went into the studio, you had to walk through like all these tunnels and everything. Obviously, behind the scenes, because you're not allowed to be shown to anyone. Oh my lord! It's like it's like the same when you go into an arena for a fight and you hear the crowd roar. It's the same there. And I was like, oh my lord! I go behind, like obviously you're going behind and around all the studio to get to where the the love lift bit is. And then I got to the top and I'm just like, oh my lord, this is happening! Like <laughs> you hear the crowd, you hear Paddy, you hear like because they have in between each show and it is all live. It is like you run straight through. It's not like. Oh yeah, we're gonna stop, start. No, it's like literally run straight through it. Oh. I got to the, I got to love it bit. They they closed it off. It's like you're going into like a roller coaster ride. You know when they close everything off. Yeah. And I'm like the only one in there. And then they're like, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine. I'm like, fuck. You said that like a yeah. million times. Like I don't need you. Like I need you to say something good. Not you're gonna be fine. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, and then he goes. You know when he said, finally says single man review or stuff, and you hear. Like, I was just like, oh my, I was pumped. I was like, literally chatting to myself up there. I'm just like, yeah, get in the mood, man. Get them, <laughs> get them hips shaking. Like, I was literally telling myself, like, the producers in the back were like laughing at me, obviously. And then you see the lift slowly go down. I literally looked at the floor because I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually doing this crap. And then, uh, and then, yeah, but once I got on there, did my little dance moves, saw the girls. Um, I was a little bit nervous, but then I was all right, mate. I think taking risks in life is something that you just got to do you you got to get the most out of it man like this is this is the theme of my my training my my fights that i'm taking even just talking to people like going out on dates and this and that like me mate you just got to be yourself enjoy it don't care about what people think of you and just enjoy it take take risks like just enjoy the process like now it's funny nerves now is like an adrenaline, like a rush for me. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm shying away. It's more like, this is making me become more of myself. Like now yeah. nerves for anything is making me just like, in I love it. Like I feel like I'm almost on like some sort of like cocaine or something. Or like it's the same effect I get from caffeine really. You get like a buzz. I get the same thing from being nervous. Like yeah. or when I'm drunk, like, you know, you get like this buzz feeling in your head and like, that's the same feeling I get when I'm being nervous. So that just helps me to perform better. Like even in my last fight, I felt relaxed, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm buzzing. Like I can't wait to get in there now. So, mate, I think that just carries over for everything. But I'm glad that I'd learned that pretty much right as I was going on the Take Me Out show. I feel like the Take Me Out show helped shape me to become the personality that I am, along with other experiences that I had in life. But it helped me to really 
just show people who I am instead of hiding it away, locking it away, not being myself. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for that, and I, I was real happy that obviously that it aired a year later. Jesus, we 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 literally it was supposed to be aired at the so what two thousand it was two thousand eighteen in November that they filmed it, and it didn't get aired till two thousand nineteen in November, and. Again, luckily for me, promotionally wise, it couldn't have happened at a better time because literally I had my title fight right as they showed it on TV. So obviously, Cage Warriors loved it up. I, I mean, listen, I yeah. would have done the same thing. They're like, oh yeah, Cage Warriors, like heavyweight champion, also on Take Me Out. and But it's good, mate. For promotion, it's amazing. I love it. Like, good, good stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? They, you, have to, you have to put all that into perspective. So it's good. Yeah, it's worth it. What's the worst that can happen, really? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Just hello, just like the worst thing that could have happened was like you humiliate yourself on TV. Like mm. once that, you know, not everyone watches it. You know, you might tell yeah. them about, but I'm lucky everything played out well. I look like an all right guy, you know, contrary to what it might be in real life. But, you know, mm. at least I look like a good guy on TV, you know. <laughs> Did anything come of it like, like dates and relationship wise and all that type of stuff? I think, you know, I think a lot of the girls maybe didn't really understand what I did at the beginning uh, or maybe didn't respect it as much. I don't know how it is. I mean, like, obviously, you know, when you hear, oh, fighters coming on TV, I can only imagine, like, oh, yeah, here's, here's a fighter. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think they really understood the extent of what I was trying to achieve. Like, you know, me talking about it is one thing, but me going out and doing it is another thing. And, uh, I remember the girl that went on a date. Listen, we had a good time. We both said likey. You know, we had a good date, but you know, things just end up not working out. I think that's the same about dating. Like, you may, you may just find that there's something that you know you just don't click. Well, fair play. Like, we clicked on the date, but when we came back, we didn't. So fair enough. She came to one of my fights. She saw my Wojciech fight, so she saw me. I think what I really liked about it was that she showed genuine care about my my the fight that I just gone through. Like, yeah. I just come back from the scorecards, like, down and, like, you know, the crowd was roaring on a spinning back kids and where I was, like, coming back. You know, I think that might have been one of the bigger comebacks of the year, you know. Um, uh, there's another good fight as well that they had. But anyways, afterwards, you should see the genuine, like, excitement and happiness that she had on her face. And then she talked to my dad. And if it's, I was cool. like, do you know what I mean? She's a, she's a very nice character, very nice girl. And uh, actually, a lot of the take... And I had a, a other, other, like, the, one of the couples that like literally one of the only ones that survived from the show actually came mm -hmm. to my fight as well. And they, they come to pretty much most of my fights now and they're, they're an absolutely amazing couple also. So it's good that you, I made some very good, uh, very good connections with good people. And it's made me to learn how to handle, to talk to different types of people. I remember there was about 10, 10, 10 girls, or I think 10 people from the take me out show that actually came to my last fight. And then I got to talk to the other girls and stuff like that. So do you know what I mean? It, Making connections, talking to people, getting to learn different personalities—it's all a part of life. It's all part of the learning process. You can't be—you can't really—you know—you you got to be happy with all these experiences and grateful that you're you're able to learn as much as you can, mate. In this process of life, you got to learn and take in as much as you can because you only got one shot at this. You might as well just yeah. just go just go crazy and get the most out of it. So I'm thankful that it's made me have to learn a lot of things. Like learn learn a lot of things about different people, how to act with people, how to talk, how to be, you know, what the social environment of these of this particular type of people is like, and and stuff like that. So 
it's great and and they do re- they did really like properly support me which which is great i um, obviously i love that they um that they were right right behind me they sent me nice messages obviously after my title win so you you can't you you can't be anything but but happy and grateful for for everything yeah and and you know you going back to like how you uh, ended up applying that's how people get catfished on facebook by just adding random people and start clicking links and filling in forms and putting phone numbers and stuff on it. That's exactly what happens when uh, people like steal your information or like catfish you. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, now you're making me sound like an idiot over here. No, yeah. no, no. I don't mean it like it's, that. It's, 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 it's true. Like, I, I completely agree with you. So, like, it was a very stupid move on my part. But when I looked at the like the application and everything, uh, obviously, they didn't ask for any bank details or anything like that. Yeah, they just yeah. asked pretty much for a phone number and an email address, and everything seemed legit. I was, <laughs> I guess you could say, I'm glad everything you know ended up being legit. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. me just like giving up my soul to someone on money <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you're 100% right in that aspect. <laughs> well, it, like you say, you just you made some friends and supporters and uh, connections through it. 100%. Very more good, life, more say. life, more life experience. Definitely. Uh, uh, Jay asks, uh, have you ever taken part in uh, the team MMA fights in like Europe, in Russia and places like that? Have you seen them um, where there's like, say, five on each team, they blow the whistle and then it's just like a free for all? That's so chaotic. Yeah. I can't imagine what it'd be like. I think it'll, it'll be more of an adrenaline rush in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah you're in a you're like in a very volatile situation like i can only imagine what it's like you know you're you're beating some guy up and then some guy comes running up beside you and like knocks you in the head it's like how do you handle that pressure like i'll be way more paranoid like yeah it's already hard enough just being in the cage with one person let alone five people i mean obviously you've got your teammates then helping you out but it's i can't imagine what what that would be like to to be fighting with other like you have to worry about your guy but then you got to worry about another guy like what if your guy gets submitted and then it's like i think that's a lot i think it's a lot more dangerous as well like you know because what if there's like two guys on one guy and and they're like it's not like they're holding back it's not like they're playing with you like they're trying to do the no. same thing that one person's trying to do to you so yeah i mean i've never done it i don't plan on doing it yeah. I think one one person's enough of a struggle for me right now especially in the ufc so it is entertaining I'll give him that, but I'm not sure how mainstream that stuff will get just because, you know, I think the sport obviously is built around just a one-on-one sort of environment. It is entertaining, but in terms of value for watching on like a TV or like, you know, I don't think you will get that sort of attention. Yeah, it's more like, um, it's more like a street fight because like you got... (laughs) It's just like five versus five, and the one I the one I watched before on YouTube was like an elimination one as well, and it ended up like three guys versus one, and it's like Jesus Christ, what are you oh, supposed to deal God. with that? Like, but, yeah, <laughs> funny, so don't man. don't fancy that, okay? Um, uh, what's your favorite things to do in your off time? Um, to be honest, I like the the simple things in life. I mean, look, I like. I like going out and seeing people. I like being in, in the presence of people. I like joking around and, you know, like having 
sometimes I like being to myself, but sometimes, you know, I like going out with good friends. I've, like, I've neglected a lot of friends. Like, in this whole journey, I've I've not talked to a lot of people. I've kept to myself. And then, you know, I don't get the time to obviously give them my time back. So if I do get the chance on the weekends outside of training or when I'm not training or after training, I'll never give up a training session to see anyone just because that's just my mindset. I've got to be focused on this. But I do find time to... I like hanging out with people, mate. I've, I've become very comfortable with wanting to see people and hang out, even meeting new people, like meeting, you know, girls or whatever. Like I like just having a challenge, meeting people, trying to talk to different people. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I think when you put yourself in that position, you're, you're, you, it, it makes you just handle it a bit better and it makes you enjoy that whole, I used to not really enjoy going out that much. I would, I would literally, the, what my favorite thing to do as a pastime, sit home maybe eat like some chocolates or something and watch TV by myself in my house. So do you know what I mean? That's my spare mm. time. But to be honest, I like, I like looking at like techniques of like moves. I like, I like looking at fights. I like looking at myself as well. I know that <laughs> sounds like really vain, but I like looking at my fights. I'm like, I'm trying to pick apart what things I'm doing. I was doing wrong and what I'm doing now. And like, so Really, in my spare time, a lot of it's sort of linked to do with fighting. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I like to relax. I'd like to go to the sauna. Like, you know, some friends, we, we go to, like, the a spa or whatever. Like, we go to, like, the um, like the steam room and just chill out, chat. So, realistically, I mean, when you ask, like, any other sort of hobbies I do, it's just meeting, pe meeting good people and, and enjoying their company. Like, th that, for me, holds a lot of value. You know, even just yeah, spending yeah. time with family, like spending time at home and I get to talk to my dad and my mom. Like after my last fight, everyone was all about go out. Oh yeah, let's get smashed. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. I like to get drunk. I like, I, you know, I like, I like a bit of a party as, as one does. But like for me, I was like, do you know what? My best mate and one of my best mates that I've known since I was eight years old, like insanity, just met him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like as like recently, like after all that time and we got on like a house on fire again, like as if we'd never left each other, he came to, to watch my fight and, and stuff like that. So spending time with him, spending time with my mum, my dad, like, uh, and my sister and stuff like that, like that was a lot, that held a lot of value. Like I was like, do you know what? I couldn't be anywhere else in the world right now. I'm with the people that I love. And I'm enjoying this victory. Um, so realistically, in my spare time, just spending time with good people, people that are close to me, people that I love, people that love me, that is something that, you know, and you like, you know, you can find it like, you know, there's fun things that you can do, you know, like top golf, go kind, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? But even going out for a meal and just spending time and talking to people, I think that's a big part of life. Communication yeah, yeah. Is, is one of the is one of the finer things in life, I feel. And if you learn to be good and comfortable with communicating with people and enjoying it, uh, you're really going to get a lot out of life because, you know, that's pretty much what 90% of what you do on the surf is communicate. So I just like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Favourite fights you've had so far and why? Moff and Hamlet fight. Uh, probably my most enjoyable because... Uh, again, to many, it looked like I was on the scorecards losing the fight. But look, at the end of the day, I look back at that fight. Okay, I lost the first round, but what? Did you really do anything in the second round? Third round, yeah, he took me down, but did he achieve anything? So anyways, but that fight I loved because I was the underdog, massive underdog. Everyone counted me out. Everyone thought I was going to lose. Uh, and as soon as I come out of that second round and third round, people started to change their opinion of me. Or they thought, ah, oh, yeah, well, he's losing the fight. I mean, but 
Like they all expect, oh, I was going to go to the decision, and I'm like, I ain't letting this bloody fight go. To I fought in the corner after the third round. I am not letting this go to the decision. There's no way. I have to. My dad even told me, he says, you're going to have to take it now. He says, this is your time, championship rounds. You got, and I remember all the shark tanks, all the training sessions I had. You just got to go for it. That fight was very inter uh, good for me because it was a bit of a strategical game. I couldn't let him take me down. I wish it would have been a bit more fun, like I could have thrown a bit more strikes. But again, like I, I had to uh, deal with some grappling exchanges. And then uh, obviously that's when the striker started landing. I loved it because it looked very picture perfect. Like It looked like a Rocky film going into the fourth round. And uh, I started landing the shots. And then you hear the, the crowd get a bit louder as I'm starting to land shots. And then as soon as I dropped him, oh my Lord, you should have heard the arena. It was insanity. When I came out at the end of that fight and I lifted up the British and the uh, Lithuanian flags together, like that was um, that was a massive thing for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the whole like my home country, uh, my home country's flag and stuff like that. And you know, even one of my Lithuanian friends, he he gave me the uh, there's like an emblem, like a knight. It's like the proper like Lithuanian, like a very meaningful flag. Mm. And he threw that up for me. And I, I throw that into the, I think I held it upside down, unfortunately. But still, that's a meaningful thing for my country as well. So yeah, yeah. the whole experience, like the build up to the fight, the amount of people I had at that arena, the, the, I got so much attention. I never had that much attention in my life. Like it's crazy. I've always been like the underestimated, the underdog, the guy who, who's not the hot guy, not the not the guy that the girls like, and this and that. Not the guy that people talk to. Not the not in the spotlight. I've, I've always been like dreaming for that moment, just to have yeah. a bit of attention. I've never had that much attention in my life. Mm. And then when it finally happened, I was like, I'm so happy. I'm like so grateful that I'm finally getting that. Like I just fully embraced it. Like some people may think, oh yeah, like vain, blah blah blah. But like literally, if you imagine my whole life I've lived in living, I've never had that. And then I finally get it. I'm going to make the most of it because, yeah. do you know what right. I mean? Like all these people, the media and stuff like that. So that fight for me, the Hamlet fight was like, that was where after the fight, I felt like I had like literally climbed Mount Everest. Like yeah. I felt like that was a massive turning point in my career. Like people would think, oh, what about your last fight? You knocked the guy out. And yeah, true. It was exactly how I pictured it in my head. But it didn't have quite the same effect on me as winning the belt the first time. That was the one that changed the game, as it yes, were. Yes, sir. So um, <clears throat> as always, when we do these shows with MMA fighters, we get some questions about Conor McGregor. Um, did you watch the McGregor-Cerrone fight? Yes, I did. What did you think? I thought, um, I mean, listen, he's an animal. I mean, I knew he was going to be an animal. I knew that striking, he would probably have a little bit of an edge over Cerrone, even though Cerrone, in most people's eyes, had a more technically overall uh, game, like, you know, overall technically more sound game. But again, you don't know what Conor McGregor's been training. Again, he hides, he trains, he doesn't let people know what he's doing, and he just gets on with it. And the, the thing that was, you know, that really he played into it very well was... The fact that Donald Cerrone does start slow, so Conor McGregor definitely took advantage of that, which is great. That was perfect game planning. Go out there, go all guns blazing, because Cerrone couldn't handle it. But Cerrone's an amazing fighter at the same time. It's just because he started a little bit slow. I thought, um, I mean, listen, the strikes were heavy. Like, if you've had shoulder strikes by Danny, you can understand why that geezer's like nose is broken. And no, and Danny's not even hit me like full power, and I'm like, bloody shoulder strikes. It's almost like <laughs> annoying, but. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can tell what that 
why that those shots affected him so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I thought game plan wise, amazing by Connor because he saw that Donald Cerrone starts slow and he capitalized on it. I mean, what can you say? I mean, both of them are amazing fighters. Just game plan wise, Connor McGregor outdid Cerrone in that fight. Yeah, I felt like the, the shoulder strikes shook him a bit and busted his nose up. And then he followed it up with like a, a knee and a, that high kick. And I, I kind of think that was game over from there. Did yeah. you feel like Cerrone took a few too many blows to the head in the ground and pound? Or do you think they had to give him that opportunity to recover? Um, Yeah, I think they had to. Listen, it was a big fight, you know. At the end of don't the want day, to call it early, do you? Yeah, they, they wanted to see if he could actually get back up to his feet afterwards. Yeah, from a from a sympathetic point of view, you could say, yeah, maybe it was a bit too many strikes on the ground, but it's MMA, mate. And at the end of the day, uh, I just, I saw a lot of people saying on on Twitter, particularly saying like with everything, you know, about CTEs and stuff these days, did he need to take maybe, could he have taken like five or six less, you know, blows to the head? But I mean, it's top top level fighting at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, you've got the same people who are saying, oh, fights are getting stopped too quickly. So, you know, there's two sides of the coin, really. I think in a high-profile fight like that, you should let it go on a little bit longer. But, uh, listen, he was covering up. He looked like he was moving. And then then it got to a point where he was like, like, done. So that's when Herb stepped in. So, do you know what I mean? Uh, At the end of the day, uh, I think he couldn't really have done it any other way. So, you know... um, Credit to credit credit to the referees for stepping in at a time where, you know, things could have got bad. So he, yeah. you know, he took some shots, but you know, he he, he sorted it out anyways. Indeed, McGregor actually, I thought looked back to his better than he has done for a, for a while. I thought he looked refreshed, sharp, and uh, like the Conor McGregor who's come up obviously and changed the game for everyone. Yes, that sir. was. So we'll see uh, see where he goes from here. Um, which British fighter do you see having uh, the potential to be a future UFC champion apart from you? What, who's in the UFC right now? or Just anyone, I think. Well, there's a couple, to be honest with you. Um, like, if you're talking about people who aren't in the UFC, I'll definitely say... Uh, Jordan Vicenic. Uh, I know you've probably had uh, talks about him before, but he's a, a top-level fighter, very skilled, very good on the ground as well. He's very tricky. He's very explosive. He's got a good striking style. I think that will be something that will be a real handful for people. As long as he keeps training, keeps doing his thing, keeps working everything, he'll be a he'll be a star. Um, at, you know that that's just building up. He's only he's only just getting started. He's in the yeah. sim- he's in a similar position I was. You know, you're very young. You know, I think 23 or something. And uh, and you know he's just now raising up the ranks. So that's a great fight. I have to admit another guy as well. Um, Emra Sonmez is an amazing fighter. That's another big time dude. I think, and he's a close friend of mine as well. I think he's very skillful in every aspect, especially in the wrestling, especially in the striking. So, you know, but one guy that I think in the in a British fighter that in the UFC right now, I would say 
Jack Shaw. Um, Good man. Jack Shaw is very highly skilled. Very highly skilled. If you look at the way he picked apart his last opponent and the way he's been picking apart his opponents in his last couple of fights, he's an animal. (laughs) Absolute animal. Um, I remember even just sitting, ne- sitting next to him, and like he's very humble. He's a good yeah. guy. Like you, you know, you can tell that his skill set is only improving. Like he's got a very, it's good. His dad's one of his coaches as well, so I think that that's another bit of bit of. Uh, I think you know, with my dad being my coach, I think that's everything in your favor to have some guy, you know, someone that's very close to you to to help you in that game as well. But um, he's very concise with his movements. And he's very good on the ground. He's got good. So look, listen. I know that he'll rise up the ranks very quickly uh, because, for example, if the striking exchanges don't go so well, or he's got a guy that's very powerful and explosive, he'll be able to take them down, no doubt. Or if they're trying to take him down, he'll be able to stop it. So, um, skill set wise, he's probably one of the highest skill set guys coming out of Britain. Mate, mate, I could go on. There's so many good British yeah, guys today. Yeah. Darren Stewart is another one who's who's come out. Um, who who started to really find his his feet in the UFC uh, in the middleweight division? He's really starting to to come out as a as a as a as a prospect because you know he beat a big time wrestler in his last fight, yeah. Darren Wynn. So it's just showing. Like, listen, the Americans can't keep ruling it forever. The the British are <laughs> literally the British are coming. Like you know, and for me, you know, representing Lithuania as well. You know, so Lithuania's coming as well. But realistically. The, the 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 difference between the skill levels of all the arts put together now is not as much. The discrepancy is now from like out here to like here. The discrepancy is not so much. What they've got to realise is that British people can now also wrestle. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had uh, Jack Jack Shaw came on the show actually, and like, you were right, like just completely humble dude, mm-hmm. and like. We did manage to get through all the questions just because me and him like be like what me and you do just just chatting and talking and um yeah he's just a cool dude so everyone should check out that yeah just another little plug um look i'm <laughs> conscious of the uh you know the amount of time i'm taking so i'm gonna fly through a couple more uh oh that's an interesting one okay so um John asks, uh, would you rather have some warm-up fights that, shall we say, are more winnable to start to get some momentum, or would you prefer to do something like someone like what uh, Brett Johns did and work your way up quick and then take on top-ranked fighters? I think I know the answer to this. But Well, listen, I think by the time I'm 28, I want to be fighting for the world title. So if you put that into perspective... I've got to be doing quite a lot quite quickly. So I want yeah. to keep active. I want to keep fighting. At the end of the day, I feel like I'm ready to fight the top 15 now. You give me anyone in the top 15 now, I feel like I could fight them now. What, what is the thing that needs to be done is not so much because skill-wise, like, you know, I definitely could beat these guys. It's a case of being mentally ready to go out there. You need to have appropriate steps up forward to, to just feel more confident out there. Cage War has done it. Look, literally, they literally throw me into the deep end straight away at that Wojciech fight, which I asked them for. So, I mean, listen, if I got thrown into more of a deep end in the UFC, 
I would take that fight and I would go, obviously it's up to my management. It's up to my coaches as to what, you know, my route will be. But listen, depending on my confidence, depending on how I handle the situation, it's how it will go. Like, doesn't matter who they give me, skill set wise, I feel I'm better. So all it is now is, okay, you mentally overcome it. Things are going to happen very quickly. You can get in the top 15 of the first three fights. It's actually written on my uh, little uh, vision board uh, that I'll be in the top 15 by the end of this year. So I'm working to, to, to make a statement. I'm not here just to you know, fill in the numbers and, okay, he's another British guy that had a fight. I want to go and take over. So, you know, I'm looking to, within at least six or seven fights, get a title shot. So, you know what I mean? How that route goes, if it means that I get pushed up to the higher ranks after the fourth fight or whatever, or however they want me to do it, I'll I'll do it. But I'm, I'm ready to take on whoever they give me. Excellent. Yeah, I can't fault you, mate. Uh, yeah. Okay. To finish off, then I like to ask a couple of uh, fun questions. Uh, so, who is uh, the biggest dick you've met in the fighting world so far? Biggest dick that I've met in the fighting world so far. Hmm. Don't know, man. I've not really. I've yeah, not you're really... you're too nice, you. So you're too I'm, nice I'm... to like. I've not, I've not, well, to be honest, I've not, I've not given many people much reason to be a, like, do you know what yeah. I mean, to be a dick to, so, um, I mean, listen, if, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna say anyone, I mean, listen, uh, I've been very respectful all the time, as you know, I don't chat shit to no one, really, unless they're giving me some shit, as recently, I've had Kenneth Berg try and call me out to fight on UFC London card. I understand you got to do promotion. I've said this on other pod, on other podcasts before. I understand you got to do promotion. I understand you, you you know you got to try and get there. But listen, don't do it the way of I'm gonna call out a guy who's in the UFC, but I'm not in the UFC yet just because I want my spot. Don't do that. Yeah. Go and fight and earn your spot. Go and win the Cage Warriors title. Do you know what I'm saying? Like go yeah, and fight yeah. on a big promotion. Go fight top level guys. Beat three of them in a row. Then maybe you get your shot. But don't go trying to call the UFC guys straight away when you don't deserve it. So, I mean, listen, I have no disrespect to anyone who's competing in this game because it's a hard and tough sport. But listen, everyone count me out when I fought Martha and Hamlet and they're all chatting shit about me. And now look what they're saying. Do you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, um, you know, if that could be anyone that will call the biggest dick or whatever, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I understand it's for promotion, but just be reasonable about it. Like there's, there's, <laughs> you're not going to get big fights by just asking for it. And because yeah. you're, you're, you've got loads of followers or you're, you're good looking or whatever, you need to go and earn your spot, go and earn it. Then you can have it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, who's the most famous person in your phone contacts? John Jones. That's literally, I guess. Um, what's he like? as a person because he gets a bad rep because you know he's made mistakes um, don't don't watch all that listen there's plenty of people that have loads of demons but they're not in the yeah. spotlight he is so yeah. he's just had the wrong end of the stick like he's just had bad rep because he's in the spotlight i'm telling you i've heard some crazy stories about fighters man like you lot don't even know like there's some fighters who do some obnoxious things and they're not getting done for it because they're not as famous or they're not as 
and they're they're let go. It's okay for them to do that. But as soon as John yeah. Jones does something, he gets nabbed for it. So what you, what people got to realize is he's just like me and you. He's just yeah. like every other fighter, every other person. He's got feelings. He's a good guy. He's a genuine character. He wants to improve. He he was very respectful to me. He's a lovely guy. He's got good banter, good good energy about him. Unfortunately, he just got himself into some situations. Everyone gets themselves into situations. So I think oh, people yeah. should look less on though. Obviously, they're yeah, they're not great situations, but don't you know? You don't know what that person's going through either. Yeah. You know, you got you you until you know exactly what everything's about. Don't be quick to 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 rain on someone's parade. Do you know what I mean? Because everyone's got problems. Like this is why when I look at people and I'm like, you know, they're upset or this they they act the same way. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in their life. Listen, yeah, it's yeah. the same for me. People don't know what was going on in my life, and they all counted me out. And then you know, now that now people are starting to see what really went on behind the scenes. So um, yeah, but he's an absolutely lovely fella. I mean, listen, I, I I can't. There's not enough good things to say about him. Is he the greatest of all time? Hundred percent, without a doubt. Uh, if you look at the striking, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu aspect, he's molded those together the best out of anyone. He's taken down all the best names in MMA. Um, so realistically, the amount of defense he's had, he's never really lost that Matt Hamill loss. I mean, you know, nothing, by elbows, he, the thing is he's, he's never been beaten. So I yeah. think that that is as much as an indication to say that he's the greatest all time as, as anyone, you know what I mean? And he yeah. does it in an entertaining way. He does it with yeah. the striking, the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu. Uh, and now he has to be a bit more calculated, but still. He's more entertaining and he likes to, he strikes well. So, yeah. Yeah. Like for me, like you compare him, who's basically never been beaten. And then you compare him with Khabib. And if you gave me a choice of watching either one fight, I'd pick John Jones every time. <laughs> That's exactly the point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he's just entertaining to watch and he's mm. an entertaining personality as well. So the full package, this is what I'm going to be trying to work towards. <laughs> Will we ever see? Would would you fight him? Um, I think any time your idol, like the guy that you've been looking up to, the guy that gave you the confidence, the the, the one that you've been watching on TV, and like you've been like, oh my gosh, I just want to, I want to do what he's doing. Like, like he, he he, you've looked up to someone to have them standing across the cage from you, and like now you get to experience that whole situation yourself. I think that's like a that would be like literally the biggest thing to ever happen in my life is to go and stand across John Jones in the cage. And obviously that's what I'm working towards. Listen, I want to work my, my, my way up the ranks and try and get to him before he retires. So, yeah. you know, as, as any young fighter wants to do, um, you've got the greatest of all time considered. And, uh, you know, you, you've trained with him in the past and you will just want to compete against the best. I want to compete against the best in front of the world. And I think it would be, an, like, you know, if it ever gets to that point, I think it would be an amazing fight. But for me, that would be, like, uh, I, can't, I can't even describe to you how much meaning that would be just to step in the cage in a competition environment. Not in the training room, in the competition yeah. environment. The guy you've been looking up to pretty much your whole life. That would be the biggest dream come true. Fair play. Um, okay. Last question then. Uh, if you could pick any fighter, past or present, to face in your first main event of a UFC card, who would it be? Past or present? 
in my first main event. That's a tough one, you know. Mm. Do you know what? I think like Rashad Evans or Quinton Jackson. Imagine that as a main event. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like back when they're in the, like their prime. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time you're fighting a top-level guy and or they're just sort of, and they're still in their prime. But to fight them in a main event, that that's a, that is a fight, a light heavyweight fight. It's a banger. So, uh, and especially with the striking that I like to put forward, and they're both strikers, I would love to have that. That would be amazing. Yeah, so I like that. That's a good answer. Um, Modestas, thank you for joining me, mate. Uh, no worries, brother. Tell the people where they can find you on social media and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so my name's quite obviously <laughs> not exactly the easiest name to put out there, but on my Twitter, it's uh, M-O-D-E-S-T-A-S-B-U-K-A-U-S-1. Um, on my Facebook, it's, again, Modestus Bukowskis. Um, and then on my Instagram, it's M-O-D-Y-B-24. And I think that's about it. So, um, yeah, catch me on, on either one of those. Need to get that Twitter following up. I mean, I don't use it too much, but I wanna I wanna sort of learn the game of Twitter a little bit more. But um, but yeah, so catch me on all of those to see what my life sort of goes on about. See me, you know, dancing to horrendous club music in my car. <laughs> that's that's part of the part of what you what you're gonna be witness to if you get yeah. on any one of them channels. <laughs> and then uh, obviously they'll see your journey begin with the UFC. That's it. Um, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation, Facebook.com slash AceCast Nation. Uh, you can see every show we do is in video format, YouTube.com slash AcePodcastNation, and uh, audio at iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all of those good stuff. You can check out previous episodes of Unscripted and Uncensored with Danny Batten, uh, Paddy the Paddy Bimblet. Brett Johns, Jack Shaw, uh, boxer Gavin Gwynn, Tom Mearns of Bellator, and uh, loads of other shows and guests. Again, I thank you very much, Modestus, for joining me. And, uh, no worries, brother. Thank you people, so much for having me. It's been fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, really guys, enjoyed it. It's been cool, cool, cool. Guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.